of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a Swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Welcome back into the Morning Hookup, ESPN Lincoln, FM 101.5, 1480 AM. Bill Hooks, he's out today because he got fired. No, I'm joking. He did not get fired. He is uh, doing some stuff with his other uh, business, so we respect that and hope uh, he can get everything done. Welcome back into the show. My name is Will Wilson. I'm joined today by Theo Malone with Husker Army. We just got done talking Nebraska basketball. They unfortunately couldn't get it done on Saturday, but man, what a game that was. Taking on number four, Purdue. Every Monday at 9.20, we bring on Evan Bland with the Omaha World Herald, and he joins the show with us right now. Evan, good morning. How are you? Morning, guys. Doing well. How's it going? Good. Yeah, you are, now, see, you are my hero, so that's why we had that intro song for you. So there was no no better way to, to bring on the hero than uh, lead you in with that. So, uh, um, hey, Monday morning, did, did you have a chance to watch that basketball game this weekend then? Oh yeah, absolutely! Okay. What a, what a game it was, hell of a game. But you know, talk about that that call at the end of overtime, man. That was that's what everybody's talking about. What did you think about that? <laughs> well, uh, it was tough. I mean, it was a bad call. Let's 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 put it out there. I mean, what the the tough part about that is if you're watching that or if you're officiating that and and you're watching a a, a point guard trying to break a press. Like you're you're ready to you're anticipating the foul because Nebraska has to foul in that situation. What you're not anticipating is that your ball handler is going to cross the the center line and lose the handle. And and that thing, um, you know, it would have set up Nebraska probably for a, an easy layup or maybe a two on one break or something. When you're down one, could have changed everything. But you know, unfortunately, that's that's just how it went, and you can't really review that situation after it's been called and um you know purdue hit its free throws which sort of goes against the idea that (laughs) that there are basketball gods and that they're gonna uh, you know ball don't lie that sort of thing so uh, unfortunate how it turned out but man you look at that three-game stretch overall you zoom out a little bit you say if you you know going into that thing if you would have said they win one of those three games and that they're generally competitive uh in all of them of course they didn't have greasel against indiana but uh i mean it's a team that to me, it was really striking how much better they defend than they did last year. And I thought that was really evident in that Purdue game, too. When you've got a seven foot four post on the other side, you know, typically those are the games where Nebraska gets roasted, but um, yeah, they, they defended really well. I mean, you could just see how they would rotate during some of these possessions, and, and Purdue had to earn everything they got. So, you know, it, it was a tough loss, but I think it's encouraging going into the Big Ten that. Nebraska has an identity, and, and as crazy as it maybe sounded 12 months ago, that identity is as a defensive team. Uh, Evan, want to switch gears with you a little bit. Uh, um, I, I, I work out at the railroad. A lot of folks know that. And then last night, we're bringing the train in, and the guy, uh, the guy sitting next to me asked, you know, why is, there, why is there a red cloud over Memorial Stadium? 
I told him, I said, well, they turn those lights on. They've, they've got visitors coming this weekend. So mm. my question to you is, what, have, what have, feedback have you got so far from some of the OVs uh, that were maybe taken or some of the transfers, uh, portal transfers, any of, any of the, the visits that happened this weekend? Uh, any, any good news on those fronts? Well, yeah, I mean, honestly, like the, the feedback that you get from players that come into Memorial Stadium in Nebraska, it's always very similar, right? It's, it's, it's guys who maybe had an inkling of what Nebraska had to offer, but you get there and the fan support blows you away and the academic support almost always stands out to families and recruits. Um, you know, and I think this was the sort of the, the same deal. I mean, you, you look at uh, the fact that most of those visitors were at the basketball game that we just talked about and what an atmosphere for them to be introduced to Husker Nation and to the, the passion that there is with that. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think you, you kind of can break it down individually a little bit more between the, the portal guys and the high school recruits. And, you know, portal recruiting is so unique because most of the time these guys have already been through the process. Mm-hmm. They don't really want to – go public with a lot of stuff. They don't want to do the interviews. They're not going to do the top five, uh, you know, social media graphics, things like that. Those are typically a little bit more under the radar. Um, You know, so I haven't heard from a a ton of guys specifically on that. I know Elijah Judy um, was a guy who was in the Texas A&M defensive lineman who had a good trip. Uh, Johnny Cornelius was someone from Rhode Island who was in earlier in the weekend. I think he finished up at Oregon. So he's somebody that, We'll have a decision to make here in the next few weeks, too. Um, you can kind of go down the line. Ben Scott was a guy from Arizona State uh, who was in the portal, offensive lineman who uh, was here, has Nebraska connections, has connections to Donovan Rayola, the O-line coach. So you can kind of see how some of that goes. Um, you know, and, and, and with the 23s, it's another kind of tough spot because you're if you're Matt Rule and staff, like you're – You've only been on campus and, and, and settled in for a couple of weeks now, and so you're trying to build relationships quickly. I know Malachi Coleman was there, the Lincoln East, uh, you know, wide out, defensive end, whatever you want to call him, who has been previously committed. I, I think he's, um, you know, he, he had another good weekend. He's familiar with with the, the institution and now getting used to the staff, too. So I think they had upwards of 20 visitors overall this weekend, and, and they're set for another big one after this. And you know, typically these ones in December, they may not bear fruit right away. I think you got a transfer commit and a, and a high school commit out of the weekend. But as these, as the process plays out and signing day gets closer and for the portal guys, the next semester gets closer, I think we will see, uh, you know, a number of other uh, pledges come out of this thing where Nebraska can start adding to its roster after, you know, losing about a dozen guys to the portal here in the last couple of weeks. And, you know, we, we've kind of seen Matt Rule and, and what, what type of players he likes to, to go after and recruit. You know, he, he takes those guys with the speed and the raw talent and likes to develop those kind of hidden gems into some football players. Uh, but you, you know how these fans here in Nebraska work. They follow this recruiting nonstop. And when they see you go after a guy that's not even rated, they start freaking out. Um, does he, does Matt, do you feel Matt Rule has to go out and get some flash? with this recruiting class as well to kind of keep the mob happy? <laughs> well, don't, I mean, it's interesting because the way that Matt Rule has built his programs at Temple and Baylor were with, you know, some some under-touted, under under-heralded guys, kind of like you mentioned. And 
part of the reason that he had to do that was because he was, especially at Temple, he was going up against the likes of Penn State and some of the bigger programs in that area. And so you have to find an edge. So now he's at Nebraska, a Big Ten school with, you know, tons of resources, you know, tens of millions of dollars at its disposal. And so how much do you kind of stick with the model that got you to this point, and how much do you – uh, you know, maybe try to go a little more head to head with some bigger bigger schools in the area. So I, I think that part's sort of interesting. Um, you know, you talk about just the the lack of stars. You know, I, I feel like in the last four or five years, people have sort of become a little bit disenchanted with recruiting rankings, right? Because but you there, look at the it, wouldn't you agree that there is? It, I know it's not. It's not you know, 100%, but over the past 15 years, there is some correlation with those recruiting classes to success on the field, would you say? No doubt. Okay. Sure. Yeah, I mean, you look at your teams in the college football playoff and everything like that. I mean, those those are your top. They're always in the top ten. There's no doubt about that. But if you're Nebraska, you know, you've tried now kind of cobbling together guys from all over the place um, to, to get a top 25 class. They're going the other way now where they have – a specific vision, like you mentioned, verified track speed, uh, you know, athletic traits that they feel like they can develop, and they're confident enough in what in their in their vision one and in their ability to develop two that they're going after some guys who maybe are three stars or who don't have all the the, the gaudy offers. I mean, you talk about a staff that's confident in what it does. Its first commit that it takes since it's, it, it comes together in Nebraska was at the time a zero-star receiver, now who's become a three-star in, in Bryce Turner. But, I mean, that I think that tells you a lot about the conviction that these guys have for what they're looking for mm-hmm. and what they can build. So, yeah, it, it's probably not going to be uh, a top 25 class. But you look around the Big Ten West even, and you see Iowa and you see Wisconsin. Those are schools that have had classes in the you know high 30s, low 40s, but they have a track record of development. They have a vision of how those players fit into a system, and they win. And, and we'll see if Nebraska, after a long period of getting four stars that either flame out or they don't uh, evolve or develop at Nebraska, we'll see if they can go the other way uh, and maybe take some, some, some other clay and mold it in a better way. We're talking to Evan Bland with the Omaha World-Herald. We haven't talked to you since uh, last Monday, so we did get the news that Tony White hired as the defensive coordinator, and then also Donovan Royola is staying put as uh, the offensive line coach. Let me start with, with Royola. You know, obviously a lot of fans are questioning that, that move and, and keeping him mm-hmm. around. From your perspective, why do you, what do you think Rule is, is seeing in, in a guy like Royola to keep him around? Well, you know, I think there are a couple things. I think, first of all, you look at uh, what happened with Nebraska's offensive line last year. Um, if you're going to retain Donovan Rayola, I think what my, one of my takeaways is, man, there must have been a lot of circumstances that were sort of out of his control, whether that was personnel. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't his uh, decision that a, a starter was suspended for the year. It wasn't up to him that a, the, one of the starting tackles had an injury early in the season and Teddy Prohaska um, you know, he, he inherited most of his situation. Now, was he inexperienced? Yes. Um, would Nebraska fans have preferred a bigger name? Absolutely. Um, but, you know, I, I think it leads me to the other point, which is, and I wrote about this over the weekend, you look at uh, Matt Rule's track record as a head coach and, and some of the position hires that he's made at either at Temple or at Baylor, 
Uh, Raiola fits the bill in terms of being a younger guy. I mean, I think he just turns, uh, I think he turns 40 tomorrow, actually, Raiola does. Um, but he's a younger guy, not a ton of college experience, but he's been in the NFL. Um, and, 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 and Rule t- tends to target guys who just have a certain certain way about them. And, you know, Rayola has not shown, I don't think, that that way publicly in some of the interviews that he's done, but everything you hear behind the scenes is that he's a, a fiery, intense guy, um, can be well-spoken when he wants to be, and that tends to fit what Matt Rule is looking for in some of these younger, energetic assistants. So, uh, you know, I guess I fall in the camp of sort of wait and see and, and, and kind of trust the track record that Matt Rule's had because, again, a lot of these guys – that he's taken chances on have gone on to be pretty quick risers in the industry. Um, not to say that Rayola necessarily will be that, but I think you talk about uh, rules eye for talent on the field and with prospects, he's found that with coaches too. So I'll be really fascinated to see uh, how this thing goes, keeping Rayola on into the new staff. And, and then give me your thoughts on, on Tony White, the new uh, defensive coordinator. Well, that's a little interesting one, too. I mean, everyone talks about the 335 uh, background that he comes from. He was under Rocky Long, the San Diego State defensive coordinator, for like 10 years. So he learned uh, a lot about the scheme there. He's been at Syracuse the last three. Um, you know, my understanding with White was even in the last, when he went from San Diego State to Syracuse in 2020, that was a pretty uh, big jump for him to go to, to Dino Baber's um, staff. I mean, I, I think White had called like one game defensively to that point. And what does he do? He flips, uh, you know, the Orange's um, defense pretty quickly in a year. I mean, they're, they're, they went from, you know, one of the worst in the country to I think a top 25 unit these last couple of seasons. So he comes in, not, not a lot of obvious rule connections. I think they were together at UCLA once in the early 2000s when White was a player there. But it's a different turn for Rule because, again, you look at what he's done as a head coach in the last 10 years, his, his defensive coordinator that entire time has been Phil Snow, who uh, is still at Carolina, who's in his late 60s, and, and from people I've talked to have said you know, he might be getting close to wanting to, to call it a career. And so uh, this is a different direction um, in, in finding sort of that – that sidekick defensively for Matt Rule. And so he found someone that he liked in Tony White. Um, you listen to some of his interviews, he, he can be pretty dynamic too. So that'll be really interesting to see how that one goes as well. Well, do understand that uh, I have nightmares when you say 335 because I have visions of like <laughs> Kevin Cosgrove still against like uh, Chase Daniels in Missouri. So. It's. Uh, I'm. I'm sure it'll work. I'm excited to see if those. Uh, if there are some interchangeable parts. Uh, I guess. It, it, when. When you talk about the prototypical Big Ten, you know, we we envision these teams like Iowa or Wisconsin lining up with you know, you know these massive offensive lines, two tight ends, a fullback back there, and then you think of that three three five as more of you know like the speed and pass and stuff like that. So it'll be interesting to see. Uh, you know, obviously, I'm sure the parts will be moving. Uh, uh, how we'll go up against some of those bigger teams uh, in the defensive schemes that will be used for them. Yeah, that's that's true. And and you know, I'm not a a football coach, but my understanding of the three three five, <clears throat> you know, it's it's designed kind of like you said to to try to get teams to run if they're passing um, because you have so many defensive backs back there, and you have a rover, uh, sort of like a nickel, um, but. The key, I mean, obviously, as you guys know, in the Big Ten West, those teams don't need any extra incentive to want to run the ball. And so, if you if you're going to go the three three five route, you know, my understanding and talking to some some folks who know more about it is, you need some really big 
defensive linemen up front. You need a, a space-eating nose tackle. You need some guys who can set the edge, um, and, and that allows some of those, those smaller, faster defenders behind them to make plays. If you don't have that, you're, you're in a lot of trouble. And, and right now, I think you look at Nebraska's roster, I don't know that they have three big space-eating defensive linemen. I think Ty Robinson's a good start. Um, but, you know, beyond that, it might take a little bit of time to get the personnel that you want. And um, if you go back and, and you look at what Syracuse did in its first year, it took a little bit of time for those guys to learn the system as well because, they're, you know, it's confusing for opposing offenses, but it takes some time to learn that, that scheme um, for new players too. So I think it, it's probably going to be a work in progress. It's not going to be something you'll want to judge in the first month of the year next year, certainly. <clears throat> but again, I think you look at what White did it at Syracuse, and there's reason to think that you know they can find success uh, once they get up to speed at Nebraska too. Evan, before we get you out of here, man, I saw that article you wrote a, a few days ago about Max Duggan. We saw the Heisman Trophy ceremony, and it did go to Caleb Williams. But kind of what was your motiva- motivation behind this article that you wrote, and, and what did you find out about Max Duggan? Well, I mean, he's Council Bluff's kid, right, like right across the Missouri River. And so <clears throat> technically out of state, but somebody that I think a lot of people, certainly in the Omaha area, are familiar with and you know, in, in my career, I actually was over in high school in Western Iowa before I uh, came on to Nebraska six years ago. And so I actually covered the early part of Duggan's career at Lewis Central. Um, I'd forgotten. I, I covered his first high school start at Lewis Central when he was a freshman. Uh, he won a game of rock, paper, scissors against an older kid to get the start, and they split snaps. But, um, you know, it's, just, it's a cool thing to, to see a guy who, who went from that position and now he's a Heisman finalist and, and, and runner-up. And I think you could argue, if you look at the criteria of the Heisman about persevering, that Max Duggan fits that bill more than Caleb Williams does as a guy who overcame heart surgery and a demotion and a coaching change and stuck it out, and they're in the college football playoffs. So, you know, really cool story. Um, I think from a Nebraska perspective, it's another good reminder that there are good quarterbacks in this area. I mean, that come out every year. You don't have to go – to a coast to find a really talented high school quarterback to lead you, you know, over the next handful of seasons. And so cool story for him. Uh, it'll be fun to see what TCU does in the, in the uh, college football playoff. But, you know, I think to any people that, that follow Nebraska recruiting, remember he was sort of lost in the wash between the Mike Riley and Scott Frost transitions. Uh, he was at a couple Friday night lights camps um, and, and had interest at a time in Nebraska. So, uh, it, it's not quite the level of Joe Burrow necessarily in terms of what ifs, but uh, I don't think it's too far behind either to think that under different circumstances, Max Duggan could have been at Nebraska, and uh, you just kind of wonder what would happen. But in the end, cool story for him, and uh, his season continues. So it was just kind of fun to, to recap some of that. Evan Bland with the Omaha World Herald. Evan, we appreciate your time every Monday. Enjoy your week. We'll talk next week. Thanks, guys. Right, thank thank you. you, Evan. Make sure you follow him on Twitter, at Evan Bland. O-W-H. We appreciate his time every Monday. Good stuff, too, uh, from Evan Bland. Bill Hooks, he's out today. He'll be back tomorrow. Got Thew Malone in with me today. Yeah. We're going to take a break, wrap up the first hour. When we come back, some Husker news to share uh, when we come back.